0: Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources.
1: All right. Um, welcome back to the Brain Mastery Series, uh, brought to you by, by ABI Wellness. Um This, this uh, conversation is an exciting one for me. um, And it's kind of a unique one. um, As you know, it's got some um, personal context to it uh, for me, which is which is always uh, cool. Not that the others don't. But um, uh, with me today, I've got uh, Dr. Cam Clark. Um, Cam is a uh, psychologist by trade, a neuropsychologist, I believe, by trade. And um, Cam is located in Calgary, Alberta. However, we won't hold it against him. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, uh, an avid athlete, uh, a really inquisitive mind, always asking kind of deep questions, trying to better understand how to further impact. Um, and not just clinically, but also as, as a person. You know, I, I've got to know Cam uh, over the years and we actually, I've actually seen him through a mutual friend and kind of a mentor of mine too, um, who's been doing good in the community for, for a very long time. Uh, so, you know, Cam was actually involved in um, fundraising efforts to support uh, cancer research uh, with a kind of a focus in, in pediatric cancer. And that's kind of what initially, I think Cam tied us together was that shared interest in, in, in that. And, um, you know, Cam has, has brought that kind of mindset into his practice as well. Um, trying to understand how to treat each individual where they're at, but also uh, do as much good uh, and the greater good for the mental health of those in this community. So, uh, Cam, is there anything I missed in, in your intro there?
2: Uh, no, I think you covered it all there, Mark. I think you got it.
1: Oh, well, that's good to hear. If I missed anything, you know, please, please fill it in that, you know, um, when when we think about neuropsychology, I mean, that's a pretty big term, and for, for some of us at home that, that might be individuals, why don't you kind of um, explain uh, what, that, what that entails as a, as a neuropsychologist, and what got you so interested in the work?
2: Sure, yeah. So, well, thanks for the introduction, Mark, and thanks for the opportunity to, uh, you know, open up my head here and spill out some, some thoughts, much appreciated. Yeah. Um, the elevator pitch on neuropsychology is basically Uh, We are clinical psychologists first, but we take a special interest in uh, assessment. So that's sort of rather than the therapeutic aspect of psychology, which we all know from the movies, Uh, a neuropsychologist um, basically looks at what the brain can and can't do. Um, So we're very interested in, you know, the brain behavior relationship and how that goes wrong in uh, certain uh, injuries, illnesses, or disorders. Okay that makes
1: that makes sense yeah um no but thanks for that and um for those that that might be listening um why don't you if there's each person that we bring into this environment and to these conversations kind of hones in a main message that they want people to better understand because the world of brain health is actually quite complex <laughs> and uh and can be kind of overwhelming uh so as you know a practicing neuropsychologist and someone who is really committed to doing the greater good um what would you want what's a main message that you might want people to understand uh in the world of kind of uh, neuropsychology and uh you know brain
2: well i guess um one thing i guess if we can wrap in um incorporate cognitive testing so you know what people are able to do in terms of cognition and intelligence and how that gets impacted in uh, brain injury among other things of course right there's all kinds of disorders and diseases that uh, certainly affect cognition. But one thing that, that I think about uh, constantly in seeing people with brain injury is the role of a couple things. Number one is uh, enthusiasm, right? So I think uh, I had heard a, um, a quote a handful of years ago and it stuck with me is uh, enthusiasm is worth 25 IQ points. right? And they kind of meant it as a bit of a joke Uh, But the more I think about it, the more I think it might actually be true. So you can have people that are very clever, very intelligent, very smart. But if they don't have enthusiasm, what's it good for, right? And it also works in the realm of brain injury, where if there is some kind of reduction in your ability to do some sort of task, there's a lot that you can make up for with the right attitude, right? And I know that's kind of like a um, basically... um, a truism, an axiom that that you might hear from your grandparents or your parents just to have the right attitude. But it's so true, um, not just from an anecdotal point of view, but also the science bears it out that the better your attitude is, uh, for example, about memory over the aging process, so outside the realm of brain injury. um, But what we find is if people have a better attitude about what they're able to remember, they actually do better on tests of memory. And so um, I think that's also true within the brain injury world, uh, where if people have more enthusiasm um, and more of a positive attitude toward their recovery, that it takes them quite, quite a long way.
1: That's a really, really good point. And um, you know, I, I think for those listening, you know, really think about that um, because sometimes I think it can get lost, right? Like a, you know, that process of coming in for an evaluation uh, can bring about a lot of anxiety. Uh, a lot of uh, fear and uh, I think yeah very very good point it makes me think of a little bit of the generalized work of Carol Dweck about growth mindset a little bit too right
2: for sure yeah yeah
1: okay that's that's awesome that's a really good point
2: the second point related to that um, is also curiosity so it's related right curiosity is not the same as enthusiasm but in a lot of ways curiosity is kind of the gateway to enthusiasm so um We all get symptoms of different types throughout our lives and brain injury has, you know, its own sort of um, collection of symptoms. Um, But nobody experiences the symptoms that you have quite like you do. And it's almost like this uh, superpower to be able to mentally backflip on these symptoms and say, well, what's it like? What is it like to have this symptom? And in that way, you're almost able to bring yourself out of the experience of having it. And you can sort of be this um, independent uh, sort of scientist about what it's like to have that symptom, which can be quite helpful as well.
1: Hmm. That's a very, very good point. Um, Yes, (laughs) that's all all I'm gonna say there, that's wonderful. Um, Any other kind of main messages outside of those two points that you want people to kind of understand?
2: Yeah. So something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is um, I think this came up in the context of the pandemic um, that we don't have to introduce any of the viewers or listeners to. Right. Um, but this idea that it, you can wrap these ideas of curiosity and enthusiasm together in this three step process that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of my own uh, journey through the pandemic and professional life and personal life, all these kinds of things. So. Um, in response to a psychological problem, right? Now, the problems that we face in day-to-day life are not always psychologically based. Um, You can't think your way out of everything. Sometimes you do need to, um, well, if you're in Calgary, shovel the snow. If you're in Vancouver, maybe you need to put on a rain jacket, right? Some things you have to change the outside world, right? When that's not possible and what you're dealing with is difficulty in actually handling or accommodating the situation, There's three steps that I think about all the time now. And one that's, you gotta notice it, right? Mm -hmm. If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling on edge, don't let that moment escape without your attention. So notice it. Number two is sit with it. So just be in that moment with that emotion or that feeling for a period of time without trying to change it and see what that's like. Does it get better? Does it get worse? And often what you'll find, for example, with anxiety, if you just sit with it and really pay attention to it, it kind of tends to go away a little bit, which is interesting without even trying to change it. And then the third uh, step is just to put it in perspective. So once you've noticed it and you've sat with it, if you're able to reframe it a little bit um, and gain a greater perspective on it, uh, you've kind of come full circle in diminishing the role of that problem in impacting your day,
1: I love it. That's that's really good. Uh, notice it, sit with it, and then try to put it in perspective. That's very, very good take home and very tangible and clear. Yeah. Thank you for that, and uh, I love it. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think about it multiple times a day now. I love
1: it. And and again, one of those things um, from from Doctor Ken here. You know, in some in some um, cases, one theme that I've kind of uh, extracted from. know, it's been wonderful to meet with so many really uh, intelligent and experienced people in this space is that, you know, self-empathy and self-compassion is also important um, because when we're in that, you know, kind of uh, heightened state, you know, amygdala hijack mode, uh, it can be, you know, um, challenging to say, okay, I need to, especially if there is an insult and injury that's making it challenging and hard to step back and to, to notice it even, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, something that I think you and I have talked about a little bit is biofeedback can be a useful source. I can remember the times when I'm going into a big meeting whatever, and I, I wear a a Garmin watch and I look and I say, "Whoa, where's that heart rate at? (laughs) And what does that actually mean for me? Right. Um, You know, that's something that, you know, what would you say for those people that are out there that are saying, okay, you know, here's this, this, this doctor with these three steps. But I'm having a hard time even getting to the first one. You know what? What do we? What's your What's your thoughts around that?
2: Yeah. So in terms of um, like all of these things, I think uh, some of the people that I talk to in, in clinical practice about, let's say, anxiety. Um, and when I when I'm able to speak with them near the end of our our therapy, uh, neuropsychologists can do therapy too. Sometimes, right. Right. Um, they'll say, well, honestly, I thought when we started this, you were going to give me uh, some quick fixes for anxiety. And uh, what I've learned is that it really, there really isn't a quick fix for it. And, um, you know, we can talk about that a little bit and say, yeah, well, it's the same thing as say, um, uh, if you're running, if you're cycling, if you're trying to increase strength, right, if you're trying to, uh, keep a um, healthy diet. There's no one that's expecting if you eat a salad in 2018 to be in uh, peak dietary form in 2021, right? It's not a one-time thing. It's a commitment to um, a way of life. And so um, in terms of not being able to get to the first step, say noticing it, if you've noticed something once, that's better than noticing it never, right? So you really yeah. can celebrate the tiny, tiny wins um, along your path to greater ability in terms of noticing things, sitting with things, and then putting things in perspective. So um, the, the phrase I always think of and sometimes inflict on patients is um, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? So if you don't have total awareness of all of your feelings all the time, that's perfect. That's what you want. That's you're striving for perfection. But if you can't attain that and you say, well, then why even bother? You're letting your conception of what's perfect get in the way of making any progress at all. And that's when you stand back and think about it, that's not the way to do it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Have those small wins and celebrate
1: them along the way. I love it. I mean, that's something that you know has been driving me um, and our team, right? Uh, when we think about not this, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, we, what ties us together is we, I think, uh, want to help um, people to understand and fulfill as much of their potential as possible, as much as they're willing to do, right? It takes that first step, right? And it really starts each day with that new first step. And there was a mentor of mine in education. Where I worked with kids with learning disabilities and you know it, it was like an uphill battle right like always an uphill battle and we were working in in this kind of innovative space of cognitive rehab in learning disabilities and I remember I didn't understand neuroplasticity I unlike you I'm not a neuropsychologist I'm an educator and and I wasn't aware of the science even um, but uh, you know Barbara Aerosmith Young created this program she's a neuroplastician another big mentor of mine Howard Eaton brought this program in and here I am my big goal was to be a PE teacher right that was the big audacious goal right um and I understood function and and progress kind of from 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 physical rehab and physical performance that all made perfect sense to me but on the cognitive side it was it was new frontier for me and I remember it was very scientific lots of big words lots of books to read but what was really interesting on the emotional and kind of um, behavioral psychological side was there was this one teacher in Toronto, who each morning, and here I am thinking about all this neural stuff in my mind, and and he would look. He's in the back of the class. He can't, He's a veteran teacher, big presence, and he what kind of stoked. And he looks at each person as they walk in. These are young adults with severe learning disabilities and cognitive challenges. Hey, thanks for showing up today. And I I just remember watching him like, does he say that to everybody? Like I'm just kind of like was he saying that everybody in their own way met met them in their own way for some it was a for others it was for others even if they were 15 minutes late you know at that point cell phone less common you know single mom hey stop it you showed up and I think that's that's the thing that's so inspiring to me as I look at people who are looking to try to strive for that first step and that change which can be really hard especially with the presence of anxiety um, but when you, when you have, what can be challenging if you don't wanna have that step uh, not aligned with a clear objective or goal. Otherwise we're, we may be on that treadmill without understanding that location. And that, that's really something that I think about a lot. And I think you and I have talked about before. That's part of what tied me into creating ABI Wellness was you know I'd seen so many remarkable professionals um, just trying to keep people well enough, right? Yeah. And, and without some of the context, and that, that was the part for me that continues to drive me is for for not just the individual, but for the professional is trying to find that way. And I like your three steps, your process, but for, you know, rehabilitation, what I had found was um, charting, assessing, and then providing kind of the, the treatment protocol was a significant problem. Um, not and 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 many times the client wasn't or patient wasn't even really aware of it because they had such a high degree of trust in the great professional working with them. But creating that system was was more challenging than I was aware of. And and it's exciting when we look at different areas of medicine and mental health, we're seeing it, I know, and it gives me great optimism that we're that we're working on really good um, you know, protocols that can help people that are safe, that are non-invasive and safe, that can help people to reclaim some of what may have been lost. And, you know, it's exciting to see that in, in brain injury from my side, um, to see a consistent pattern of changes in activities of daily living and overall quality of life.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, to pick up on, on what you were mentioning with the, this teacher and... Uh, mm. Uh, positively reinforcing people's uh, very small wins, right? Just showing up, right? I feel like with all kinds of therapy, people need to feel like they're on a bit of an escalator, like that there's a goal in mind and that they are making progress, right? And so being positive about those small wins is kind of like an invitation to the escalator in a way right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes a um, metaphor, I'm all about metaphors, Mark, it's really just metaphors all day long. (laughs) Um, If you you think about someone who's, uh, so now we'll talk about, you know, mental health, or brain health in terms of like a savings account, right? Yeah, we all would admit that there are people who are rich, they have a lot of money in a savings account, And we all have to admit that the dollars add up one at a time, right? So if you take take $10 and you put it in a savings account, well, are you rich? No. If you take it another $10 and put it in a savings account, are you rich? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not, right? But you can't get to whatever your definition of rich is, is it $1,000, is it a million dollars? You cannot get there without putting in the first dollar. right? And that's often the process of therapy is getting people to commit to putting in that first seemingly insignificant dollar or $10 or whatever it is and say, look, you're not gonna feel better tomorrow, but if you don't put in $10 today, you weren't gonna get to 20 tomorrow. And so to celebrate those very small wins is huge in giving people that long-term view of, look, there is a destination but the process starts with very, very small, um,
1: deposits, so to speak. Right. I love it. No, that's, that's the one that, uh, you know, we want to give some room on for people to think about for all of us, I think that relates to everybody with where you're at inside of your context, you know, when, when you notice where you're at you sit with it and you look at that perspective, right. It's, um, you got me thinking about it right now. Uh, so that, that, that's wonderful. And uh, wherever you might be at, and whatever you might be working towards. For sure. Um, so let's say that that you know um, Cam has got the crystal ball, okay? And you are, um, you know, y- you can make happen whatever you want to see happen in the world of brain health. If we gave you um, that opportunity, what would you want to see? Um, uh,
2: I would love to see a world where um, brain injury or let's say I'll lump in uh, neurodegenerative processes, right, like dementia, um, are normalized in terms of uh, people being able to see them as, as if they were a broken arm or a broken leg, like physical changes to the body things that happen to people um, for which no blame is warranted, mm-hmm. right? So uh, often I see people carry around not just the injury. So let's just speak just about brain injury. They're not just carrying around the injury. There's this sort of like layer of guilt on top of it about, I look fine. People think I'm fine, but I know I'm not fine, right? Right. And if you could just culturally somehow institute that there just is no guilt, there is no layer of guilt on top of an invisible injury, um, I think that would go a long way to helping people recover uh, much quicker.
1: Totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. And, and I think that's such a um, well kind of synthesized um, answer and clearly it's multi-layered, but you know, one can, I, that's what I'm with you. I would love to see that. Um, Cause I can remember when I had my first concussion, it was like, no, helmet back on, get back out there now. And I thought the trainers were crazy. Like, what are you saying? me? Oh, come on, I'm big, I'm strong. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, yes, I am busy right now, but that'll go away. Uh, and, you know, what can, what can be, I think challenging this is where the research comes in is I think we need to continue to not just research but also do really good um, clinical research that can actually, uh, you know, be uh, transferred into clinical practice because that's that's one of the areas that I I really see as problematic. Uh, Continued is, many people would agree with this, but part of the problem is that we need to be asking some more of the right questions Mm
0: -hmm. about
1: providing that opportunity for more accessible care. You know, one of the areas that I continue to think about that I struggle with is I remember going to a brain injury rehabilitation conference when I was still in primarily the special education sector. And I remember waiting for the final presentation, which is supposed to be the big great academic debate and exciting, right? Like these are some top minds. And what I was finding is that in the population they were talking about, these are people with with primarily traumatic brain injury and uh and cognitive deficits you know the big the big presentation to end the thing was about basically repackaging an application like a map quest but with bigger font and easier language Mm -hmm. um to use and i was like okay i'm sure the intent you know is good but why am i here this is not this is still not Addressing the underlying issue. Yeah, it it, it is a strategies based approach, which is wonderful, but not actually, uh, you know, addressing the underlying uh, issue, because then I'm going to be dependent on the next version of that app for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. and yeah. without increasing my function. Now I might get better at using the tool, which is great, but you know, my my big push and this is part of what brought us together is trying to find ways to continue to further outcomes. When I look at other areas of research, you know, cardiac research, cancer research, um, I, I, I get excited about it because it is all about that long-term self capacity primarily. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of that. And, and, and in brain health, I am seeing some of that on the vestibular side. I am seeing it in some areas of speech too, but I'm just not seeing it on the cognitive side yet, but I'm optimistic. (laughs) <laughs> that, that we're gonna be getting there.
2: Yeah. So related to um, a couple of the points that uh, we've touched on, another metaphor I quite like to use is, um, you know, I'll, I'll say cycling, but it works for running too. When you hit, when you hit a hill, right? When things get difficult, um, you don't get to control that gradient You don't get to control that things have gotten physiologically more difficult for you, but you always get to decide what meaning you assign to it, Mm. right? So is it, oh, another hill, why me? Or is it the road ticks up here? Good. This is a test, right? That mental switch is not anything you can buy. It's not anything that can be given or taken away from you. Um, And in a lot of ways, that choice to choose one way of thinking or the other is all that we have moment by moment, right? And so you can look at something like a hill, like an injury, like a brain injury. You can see it as, why me? Why now? Why did this have to happen? Things are so difficult, right? And I'm, I'm aware here that I'm, I haven't suffered a brain injury. And so me saying things like this always needs a little bit of contextualizing because I haven't gone through it. I mean, in, in a serious way. Right. Um, but it is possible to leave the world of injury and hardship a better person and a more aware, a more self-aware person than you came in right? It can, oh, it can be the hill on which you train for a better life,
1: right? One hundred percent. That is very, very well said. And I, I think I want to leave that one there. We'll do this again, but I want to leave that one there because I think that is so succinct and I think will resonate for everybody in their own context. Um, you know, I think about that, you know, frequently and, uh, you know, and, and I think we can all at times fall into that, you know, why me, <laughs> poor me mode. I think it's like, it can be natural, it but uh, it, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we're wired in a way where there is sometimes more that negativity bias first, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but uh, the way in which you have positioned that I think is, is, is really going to resonate. Uh, so very, very well uh, said. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so, if people are out there right now, you know, that are listening to this, these might be professionals, these might be individuals that might be in need of, um, you know, some level of service or just want to learn more about you and your work. Um, how do people get a hold of you and learn more about some of what you're doing?
2: Yeah, so my, my little home online is at uh, sharpthinking.org. Um, all one word, sharpthinking.org. And um, I've got my, my sort of list of services there. I run a, um, a weekly newsletter. So it keeps me up to date with some of the literature um, that I like to review and kind of, you know, if you write about it, you really remember it. Um, And a lot of the things that we've touched on today, actually, like having a positive attitude and and how to sort of work your way through mental health and and brain health, uh, especially across the lifespan. Uh, So completely free newsletter if people
1: are interested. um, That's on the website as well. Well, subscribe and check that out. You know, this is someone to watch out there in, in this world, uh, doing work that is truly in service of others, and is also looking to really help people live uh, live uh, a better life. So, I just I really appreciate you and and your work. It's been a long time that I've actually I, I've been fortunate enough to know you, and uh, you know you, I know that we're going to be seeing big things from you in the future too.
2: Fingers crossed.
1: That's <laughs> all we can do, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Don't forget to check back for a new brain mastery segment every week. Here's a sneak peek of our next thought-provoking interview. To me, health and brain health is uh, a whole person approach and a whole person perspective. So, whatever we can do to create health in other aspects for in our life will be healthy for our brain. Um, so. One thing that uh, really sticks out for me with brain injury survivors and families is the sense of isolation and, uh, and the sense of separation, especially, you know, after one has a brain injury and, and the, the struggle with, with identity and awareness and um, who am I now? So when I look at the, the landscape of brain health, I come from uh, a healthy community's public health approach and look at how can we create healthy relationships, uh, a healthy sense of, of well-being within the person, and that's going to be good for brain health, right? You can't separate your brain out from all the rest of your life. So, whatever we can do to create quality of life, uh, what makes a good life for you um, makes a good life for your, your brain, right? We can't, we can't separate these things out. So, um, when we can create opportunities for people to feel connected, to feel a sense of contribution, to feel a sense of uh, well being in themselves. Um, that to me is kind of a, a, a gift that we can offer uh, brain injury survivors and families, and, and in turn is good for our whole community. You know, that whole idea is like when the tide rises, all tide comes in, all boats rise. So when we create healthier communities for brain injury survivors and community, we're creating healthy communities for all. Thank you so much for listening to the Brain Mastery Podcast brought to you by ABI Wellness. Be sure to follow us on social media channels at ABI Wellness. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.